Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast, a show where a philosopher and a rocket scientist try to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Football Philosophy and Rocket Science podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Elliot, and he's Joel, Dr. Howdy. Joel Cade, philosophy professor. And Joel, what do you know about the training camp schedule this season? So it is happening, people. Training camp is on its way. It is happening. So you get all the memes out from the office, all that stuff you need to. It is happening today. Yes, today. Rookies are reporting for training camp. And in two days, the 21st, I just lost all my days. There we go. The 21st, the veterans report for training camp. And then come July 22nd, which I believe is Saturday. Does that sound right? The Browns will be going to the Greebrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia from the 22nd through the 30th for eight days for phase one of training camp to prep for the Hall of Fame game against the Jets on mm-hmm. August 3rd. That's and then, oh, nice. And 8-1, they return to Cleveland. That's before the game. On August 1st, they return back to Cleveland for phase two of training camp in Berea. So they go to Greebrier for eight days. They come back. They got a couple days. They got the game. And then full-on training camp, just like every other team, heading into the supposed real week one of training of uh, preseason games. So they're happening. They're coming back to camp. Everything's starting to happen. It's a good time. Football is back. Hopefully sometime soon. Um, eight, eight, three be back in about, is I don't back? know, 14, 15 days. I don't know if it's going to be the same for me now, Joel. And why I, is I that? Did, I heard some very distressing news that, uh, well, brace yourself. Uh, I heard okay. that the Perion Winfrey era in Cleveland may be over. <gasps> Shocker. What have yeah, you heard, Elliot? Yeah, I, I heard that uh, Perion Winfrey is no longer a Cleveland Brown. Uh, it's possible that he might be signed by another NFL team. He's a free agent. He might wind up on the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, who knows where he might wind up, um, but he's not a Cleveland Brown. Um, there is an incident on Twitter. We thought about even putting it on uh, our show, though we thought there are so many curse words present that we might not be acceptable to YouTube and some of the other social media and we just couldn't risk it. Uh, it was not good. 
it was not. Well, let me let me explain the video for for everybody out yeah, there. Why don't we just so if you go on Twitter, you can go to and find, just look up Perry and Winfrey. You can find the video. Um, it looks like to be a TikTok video of someone claiming to be Ohio's hottest white girl, and mm-hmm. it's her kind of holding her phone, recording. So you get a lot of weird angles, and you can hear someone in the background with a lot of curse words, a lot of threats. Um, clearly, something bad is happening here. Um, the text on the video claims that it's Perry on Winfrey, that he's brandishing a gun, that she is running from him with a gun. And the text on the video claims that Perry on Winfrey stole her phone, that she's afraid to go home. And then there's a shot of her neck with bruises on it, um, asking, is this what the Cleveland Browns stand for? So yes. now these are all unsubstantiated allegations. Let us be clear about that. Yes, that, that is not- where we're at. We are not endorsing these or saying that we know these to be factual, but the allegations have been made and they are on the on social media. Um, Correct. So we do not know if this was actually Ohio's hottest we, white we girl or there, not. But uh, yeah, we don't know that either. And that is subjective <laughs> in any case. But uh, Perry on Winfrey has been in trouble before, and mm-hmm. he has... Uh, been in uh, hot water, let us say, with some of the veterans who did not approve of his practice ethic. And he's been talked to by some of the senior members, including Miles Garrett. And uh, I really don't understand why he is such a good politician that he's been able to keep his place on the team for this long. I don't think he's that well. He's... uh, He's a good player. He's got talent, but I don't think he's got so much talent that he can afford to spend this much, uh, how shall I say, creative capital uh, and uh, remain on the team. Uh, I don't want to judge him, and you know, I don't know what sort of uh, personal difficulties he may be facing that has caused these kind of problems to arise, and I hope he's able to overcome them. But I think that football may be a luxury that he cannot afford at this time. It's maybe a good thing <laughs> to step back and get things in order before attending to a, a privilege and a luxury to play in the NFL. I don't know yeah, that that's I, a good thing for him. I would agree. I mean, Perry Winfrey's had his run-ins, right? He had issues of practice. He had the time where he allegedly ran into a tree with his scooter. Um Turns out that might have been him losing control of his car. In no, I think it was the tree actually ran into his scooter. Oh, okay. It wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah. Tree ran into his scooter. Um, So this isn't, like you said, the first time he's been in trouble. I also, I'll take a different place on this. Perrion Winfrey is not the most refined schematic player or technical player. Um, And Jim Schwartz is going to want some schematic like technical players right that defensive line is going to require some real technique to be effective and Winfrey is just kind of one of those kind of like how he seems to be in life you just line him up and unleash him and let him do his thing and that, that seems to be the way he does I things like I don't like that at all you know I'm, I'm kind of old school Marty Schottenheimer disciple I believe that erratic players may look spectacular on the field but they eventually get you fired if you're a coach, you can't depend upon those kind of players to carry out your game plan or your plays. Not a fan of that style of play. Well, you know, Miles Garrett hasn't got anybody fired yet, and that's the way he plays. I, I just think Winfrey right here just uh, – no, Miles, sure no, Miles Garrett does not play like Perrion Winfrey. I'm sorry. Well, Miles Garrett plays at an elevated level, but he still just goes out and does his thing. This is not a Miles Garrett piece. We can get on him later. Uh, Perry on Winfrey, though, that's kind of been his style. I don't know how well he was going to adapt to Jim Schwartz's scheme. I wasn't thinking he was going to make the team anyway, given his history of issues. And he's going to be behind the curve when it comes to, like, learning the technique of defensive tackle he's going to have to play, as were people like Tommy Togiai and um, Jordan Elliott. Those two people are going to be really ahead of the curve. So, uh, you know, Togiai, this will be his chance. This is what he does. But – I didn't. I 
already thought Winfrey was the odd man out. So for him to go out and get himself in trouble, this is just the no brainer response. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. We don't have, we don't have room for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've given him too much airtime already, but. Huh. All right. Well, Hey, uh, let's take a, let's take our break. So uh, after the break, Stick around. We're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Yes, we promise and, we will do so. And we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals salary cap and how Elliot and I what can't are make the any Bengals sense of it. doing? Yeah, we can't make any sense of this. So hang on after the break. We'll get right into the Bengals. And we're back. Thanks for hanging on. So, Elliot, we're going to preview the Cincinnati Bengals offense. And, you know, the Bengals have a tremendous offense. That seems to be the the strength of their team, particularly with Joe Burrow. It's hard to believe that Zach Taylor comes from the same coaching tree that has produced, well, in effect, produced Kevin Stefanski with that same outside zone scheme. But once you have a quarterback, you don't have to run outside zone. Coaching tree, I don't know. I mean, if you believe in the theory of evolution, we're on the same evolutionary tree as Australopithecus. So I'm not sure I really buy into that all that much. Okay. But I want to know, do the Bengals intend to win this year? Or what exactly are they doing? Because they have plenty of cap space and they're not really using it. They should be doing what the Browns are doing and stockpiling all kinds of great players but they're not really doing that. Uh, I, I just really think it's it's kind of remarkable who they have not signed. It's, to me, it's unbelievable who the Browns have signed, and it's unbelievable who the Bengals, with their winner's discount, have not signed. I, I, I really can't understand it, but we can go into that in uh, detail. Um, let's take a look at that, as a matter of fact. Those who have visual with us, and uh, we'll describe it for those who do not. Um, but okay, who they have uh, uh, lost players on defense? We talked about that uh, on a previous show that they lost their basically their entire defensive backfield. They're not going to play pass defense this year. Mm-hmm. But on offense, okay, they didn't take huge hits. They preserve their uh, receiving core. And uh, they add to their offensive line. They get big Orlando Brown, uh, a tackle that they really needed because they had injuries on the offensive line. Um, But they also lose two tight ends, and they didn't really replace them. They lose uh, Hayden Hurst, who you might remember from Baltimore. Now he gets a deal. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) we're not real sure what Baltimore is doing either. And, you know, we're, we're, we're... you know, we're Browns O-centric, no doubt about it. But trying to be objective, we still don't really understand what the uh, Bengals are doing. So they lose a starting tight end. And also this guy, Mitchell Wilcox, has not been signed yet. And I'm not sure if there was an injury issue or what. But he played 45% of the offensive snaps last season. Had 139 yards receiving. So that tells you he's mainly a blocker. But, you know, he's a serviceable tight end. They also lost their number two running back in Samaji Pirine. A lot of people thought, gee, you know, he's kind of, you know, maybe a number one B running back. You know, uh, 1A is Joe Mixon, of course. But Samaji Pirine is a pretty good running back. And uh, he's gone. And they didn't really replace him uh, either unless they got a steal in the draft, which they might have. Uh, so who do they get to replace uh, these guys? They get a, a definite starter, Orlando Browns, the son of Zeus. Uh, they get tight end Irv Smith, who's not in the same caliber as Hayden Hurst, I don't believe. Oh, he, he's more replacing Mitchell Wilcox. Irv Smith is yeah. a, blocking wide receiver, a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the draft, they get uh, some very interesting guys. And by the way, one thing that's weird is all three of these guys – ran exactly 4.43 in the 40-yard dash, for those who like numbers. They get Charlie Jones from Purdue, who had 1,361 receiving yards and runs a 4.43. 
And uh, so that's pretty good for, uh, you know, uh, Purdue. We like that. Reasonable Big Ten school, yeah. Yep. Chase Brown, a running back, had 1,883 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, 5.0 yards per carry on the ground. That's pretty good. We like that. So we think maybe Chase Brown might be able to evolve into a Samaji Pirine type running back. So that's or a, that's, or a third down back. You know, the receiver about guy out of the backfield. Yeah, well, yeah, he didn't really have. Uh, well, he he did have a, a fair amount of receiving yards, but maybe in the pros he'll be doing more of that than he did in college. And then they also took kind of a long shot. Uh, from Princeton University, that's, uh, of course, the same university that um, our general manager comes from. So why didn't why did the Browns take him? But anyway, Andre Iosivas, Iosivas I hope I pronounced that halfway correctly. Uh, he had less than 1,000 yards receiving, but he runs a 4.43. What the heck? Maybe he's a talent. He had nobody throwing to him, obviously, since it was uh, in the Ivy Leagues. Now, this guy sounds like a practice squad guy to me, but yeah, anyway. well, mm, I don't know. Probably, you might be able to take a guy like that and clear him through waivers, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they seem to like him, and they don't have anybody uh, backing up at wide receiver once you get past their big three guys. So, um, but uh, they did not add a lot of talent. You know, they they really right. did not. So let me let me talk about this for a second, Elliot. I, I one thing I let's go back to the previous screen. Let's go back to the previous screen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about offensive linemen in the next screen? Because we can talk Damn. about offensive linemen. All right, let's just go there. Let's I want to go there. right to Orlando Brown. Um let's talk about Orlando Brown because we don't really necessarily view him as the uh you know, his big beef was that he wanted to make all this money as a left tackle mm-hmm. and he was unhappy at Baltimore because I don't want to be a right tackle because right tackles won't make that much money. Plus my dad was a left tackle and I want to be like my dad. And uh, so he's not getting that huge of a contract. There are right tackles in the NFL that are getting more money than he's getting. And right tackle is probably a better position for him. I don't necessarily believe in Orlando Brown as the pass blocking left tackle because the guys that he has had to pass block for Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are very mobile guys. And so of course he doesn't get uh, dinged for allowing sacks because those two guys are unsackable. Yeah. Um, I think for Orlando Brown is if he can get his hands on you, you're done. You know, the trick is to not let him get his hands on you. But at that point you have to like, run around the mountain yeah, run around you know? him you know? yeah i th- i i'm gonna agree with you i, I think we talked about this before orlando it brown is. is is like the right tackle to have you know this is your mauler he's gonna fire out and run block he's gonna just like own you on the right side of the line so i don't know i understand where orlando brown's coming from and i because he wants paid and i understand where the bengals are coming from because they've had jonah williams out there at the left tackle and that really hasn't worked out for him and so I get it. I just don't think it's the greatest move mm-hmm. that you could make with the money that you're spending. I want to talk about this Lyle Collins and Jonah Williams thing you got here on the on the on the the graphic. Yeah, here. they're kind of says, banged uh, up. They're kind of banged up at the tackle position. Yeah, uh, Lyle Collins did not play well in 2022. Had a torn ACL and MCL in Week 16. Week 16. Yet he seems, week 16. Yet he oh. seems to be recovering. And then you've got Jonah Williams, and you're saying here also recovering from a knee injury initially upset when the Bengals signed Orlando Brown and asked him to move him to right tackle. I could see a situation where Jonah Williams plays right tackle. Collins plays guard because I think the, the Browns are that Brown, the Bengals are hurting at guard. I don't think they have a really yes. set situation. So yeah, I can we, see them coming in with left with Orlando Brown at left tackle, Jonah Williams at right tackle. You're moving Collins to guard, which he's played in the NFL. Then you've got the center Ted Karras. Coming in from New Karras, England. Yeah, Ted Karras is a very capable center. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You got and, Alex Kappa. But the guard after Alex Kappa is is what? I'm thinking it's is. Lyle Collins. Well, we don't actually know who the uh, guard is going to be. Uh, they, have, uh, uh, they have a couple guys that could uh, possibly play. Uh, Cardell Volson, Cody Ford, uh, Jackson Carmen. Uh, is a guy that they had uh, some uh, 
uh, high ratings for. I believe he was taken in like the second round, uh, and he started two playoff games at guard last season. Didn't have super games. Uh, he, now maybe he he's going to be guard. Tackle. Um, he might wind up at guard also. Um, so, but the, you know they didn't really. Uh, distinguish themselves. What has happened to the Bengals two years in a row is that they wound up with injuries that caused them to start backups in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that has hurt them. So they're really paranoid about wanting to be deep in the offensive line. And so that's why they've accumulated offensive linemen. Um, but, you know, yeah, they're, they're banged up uh, once again. And I think between outside of left tackle, which I think you can call solid good, Center is going to be good. I'm just not sure what they're doing anywhere else. Williams or Collins could both be injured coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Either either or both. And then guard is just kind of ho-hum. Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, Kappa is pretty good. But, um, you, you know, they're not like the Browns with Betonio. Uh, right. You know, they, they don't have uh, three uh, – Pro Bowl caliber guys in the middle of their line. Um, so, yeah, I think they'd like to be deeper. Uh, they'd like uh, to be healthier, but they're not. To me, this says you better get rid of the ball quick because you're going to go back for yes. a five-step. You're going to have somebody in your face. Yeah, and they do. And they do get the ball um, to Jamar Chase very quickly, and he's usually double-covered. Um, but uh, – you know, Chase is not the long bomb guy that people think that he is. Yeah, why don't we move on to the wide receivers here? Why don't we, we do gotta, that? Let's talk about wide receivers. Actually, let's, let's talk, talk about, about running back first. Let's talk about these running backs first. Yeah. Joe Mixon. You realize that Joe Mixon just took almost a $5 million pay cut over the next two years, like $5 million this year, $5 million next year to stay with the Bengals. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure uh, how – I haven't looked at that contract in detail, but he did take some – cuts i'm not sure if he got additional guarantees or why he did that um but yeah so they did get some cap room uh this season out of joe mixon um i mean gotta get something besides cap room i mean last year he wasn't real good Um, yeah he wasn't fantastic but he did uh one thing that maybe he's not appreciated that much is that he did get a lot of receiving yards so he had uh, 1,200 total yards from scrimmage in 2022, but his yards per carry average was not really that great, 3.9 yards per rush. That's kind of uh, like, like uh, uh, you know, the uh, Browns had uh, from, uh, uh, oh, man, help me out there, second-string guy, uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem, Kareem Hunt. So it was okay, but not really, you know, superstar caliber. Plus, he um, had some concerns on the off season, so I think he's paying yeah. for, for being a the Perry on Winfrey of Cincinnati. Well, no, at this point, not, let's not go there. But yeah, Joe Mixon has um, been kind of a rugged character. We can say that. Uh, now they do need to replace Samaji Pirine, who had 681 total yards from scrimmage, so he was not just a backup he was a major part of their offense and uh, he actually moved the ball a little bit better than joe at least on paper i I don't think he was quite uh as big of a force up the middle but uh maybe he was um chris evans was a guy that did not play very much last season but in 2021 he looked like he was probably a pretty good uh, running back and could evolve perhaps into a number one guy. Uh, he's an, another one of Jim Harbaugh's uh, guys that got into his doghouse at Michigan. And, but, you know, he has speed, has a size, has everything that that you look for in a running back. And the thought was, that, yeah, he might really actually be a real live running back. And um, so, uh, you know, let's keep an eye on him. He might actually have talent. And then there's the rookie, Chase Brown, who did everything for the fidgeting uh, Illini. Oh, that's a typographical error. I apologize so much. I, it's so accurate, though. 
I should have said Fighting Illini. Isn't that their nickname? Not yes, the Fighting Illini. Fighting Illini. Oh, okay. I'm really sorry if there's. No, actually, I'm not even sorry. <laughs> But okay, yeah. Chase Brown put up some big numbers in college in the Big Ten.、Um, what the heck?、Uh, he probably can be a,、uh, you know, NFL running back. What the heck? So, so until proven otherwise, I think、uh, they're probably okay. Let's not say that he's going to be a star, but he can probably start for the Bengals if it comes down to that.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and r- rookie running backs tend to be guys that can have success as rookies. That's not as, quite as true for wide receivers. Do you, do you see all that controversy? The, all these running backs coming out getting mad at Matt Miller. <laughs> Did you see that? Matt, what did Matt do? So he came out with a tweet saying that、uh, the way you handle running backs, or you draft a running back, play a running back. If the running back is good, you give him uh, a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The franchise tag for one yeah, year, and then you and then you draft a new running back. And like Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey,、um, John. Jonathan Taylor, the guy over at Indianapolis. Yeah, there's another one came out. Oh,、uh, Austin Eckler, all came out complaining. This is why running backs don't get paid. People don't appreciate running backs. You got to have a good running back if you're going to have a good football team, but nobody wants to pay us. Blah blah blah. You haven't seen this? I was kind of hoping to get your reaction. Well, I, to actually,、it. I heard a little bit of a debate、uh, on that issue from、uh, Greenberg、uh, on the radio today. I was out and about during the、mm-hmm. town, and he kind of described that. Uh, he was on、uh, in favor of、uh, Saquon Barkley's case, but I, I personally do believe that the the NFL is going through a phase where they do undervalue running backs. I would hire them,、um, and I think that,、uh, but I do think that they they don't quite get it. The general managers say that okay, they're only good for four years. Well, so pay them for four years.、Um, They should be drafted in the first round.、Uh, whether or not you give them a huge、uh, second contract, I think, is up in the air. I think what it, what it does speak to is that you should give them a uh, uh, maybe a shorter number of guaranteed years, but you should still pay them. You know,、mm-hmm. so like like uh, uh, Barkley might deserve.、Uh, Let's say a three-year contract with、uh, the first two years guaranteed, and still get paid at a high level. I think he,、mm-hmm. he would、uh, perhaps deserve that.、Uh, and then there's a separate issue that the franchise system that they have makes absolutely no sense. It's punitive to the player. It's arbitrary.、Um, it does give the Giants the right to punish Saquon Barkley for no reason. Uh, and if it was on the, you know, anything involving the free market, Saquon Barkley would get twice as much money.、Um, you know, if there were any way that any other team could match what the Giants have、um, paid him, they would. So it is not free market; it's you know, a form of uh, of uh, indentureism, whatever you want to call it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, he is worth more than that.、Um, but I, I do think that the NFL is stupid to let these. Highly talented, productive players last until the fourth and fifth round is you know it's ridiculous. I think、um, the other side on this with running backs is that draft you know, hey, you're you're overusing them or or they wear out after five years. Well, they should maybe do what the Browns do with Nick Chubb and just limit his amount of carries so that you don't wear him out. Draft two of them, or you、draft、don't wear him out after his first contract. Both. Yep. You know, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was interesting. We're talking about running backs and Joe Mixon taking a, a pay cut. You know, it, it's interesting that like running backs are out there screaming they should get paid, and analytics will tell you that running the football is basically a loss, no matter what you do. Or some analytics depends on you know. Yeah, not my analytics. My analytics some analytics say these things. You, yeah, a lot of this time is. Well, what you should do is throw the ball to running backs. That's what you should do. And you know they don't do enough screen passes, according to me.、Um, but running backs <laughs> still very, very valuable players.、Uh, 
and uh, perhaps what you should be doing is um, signing them to shorter contracts, perhaps than a quarterback. I, I just think you need to use them more intelligently. Mm. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's. I think it's dumb to draft a guy, run the crap out of him for five years, and then just cut him, which is what's happening, right? You're you're just running the guy into the ground and then cutting him instead of saying, hey, why don't we protect this player that we have because we like him like the like the Browns have done with Nick Chubb. But then you've got the Browns Twitter base like he has to have 20 carries a game. Well, if you do that, he's going to be done after four years. So why don't we just give him 15 carries a game and let him play for six years? Yeah. Anyway, I'll, now I'll we're digressing. You, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm kind of a scientist, engineer type. If it was a machine, you wouldn't run a machine like that because you'd wear it out and not get optimum use out of it. Don't run them. You know, it's like you're going to have a car and you're going to mash the accelerator pedal all the way to the metal. No, you're not. Drive it intelligently. Come on. Okay. All right. So wide receivers. Wide receivers. Talk about wide receivers. They've this is what I was getting at earlier. Like, if you're going to not invest in your offensive line, and you're not going to invest in your running back position, okay, then you better have good wide receivers because if not, you've just eliminated all the people who are going to block for your for your quarterback. Well, they, so you they, better did do invest, a, they did invest in their offensive line. All right, the all right. They could. They have. They got Orlando people. Brown, but they didn't take care of, I think, everything. They may not they have done it in the most intelligent way. Okay. But they, and they do have, uh, you know, I, I think that they did get a running back uh, that can replace P. Ryan, so I, I do think that they're okay there. Any pass the wide receiver position? Uh, they didn't lose anybody at wide receiver, and they're they're adding an impressive rookie, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but they really want to play just these three guys if they can. They've done that for like two or three years in a row. And also, looks like they're trying to get faster, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Like as an overall strategy, I'm not saying this is a. Bengals or Browns mm-hmm. fan. I'm just saying, as an overall strategy, you want to be fast. Yeah, fast, 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 fast. So, look, look like at trying to get the fast. numbers for T. Higgins. First, he's a thousand yards, nine point four yards per target for Higgins, nine point three yards per target for the number three guy, Tyler Boyd. Those are big ass numbers. Jamar Chase was actually I, I didn't put his number, but it's something like seven yards per target. For Jamar Chase, he was actually the short yardage guy last season. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, double coverage. Ben, he's quick off the ball. That's his his strength is his quickness at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that yeah. allows mm-hmm. you to get open open early, and therefore the, you're the short guy. Yes, yes. So that that was a fact. People people think that he was the mad bomber. Uh, not so. Not not actually so. Uh, so and. What's more important, maybe, is that they really lost some quality tight ends. Uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, you might argue, well, Hayden was coming you know, on the downside of his career, perhaps. But they're not really replacing Hayden Hurst, plus Mitchell Wilcox, with one guy, Irv Smith. Uh, maybe Irv Smith, as you suggested earlier, is kind of the equivalent of Mitchell Wilcox. Mm-hmm. That's what he was in Minnesota. They used to be a two tight end team. Yeah, and this is what I was kind of getting at earlier. Like, you, I mean, the Browns used to be a big time two two uh, tight end team. I don't think they're going to be that this year either. Once you get a quarterback, you don't have to run that outside zone scheme because that outside zone scheme, part of what it's about, is the ability to reduce the impact of the quarterback or bad quarterback play on your team. If you have a quarterback that can elevate, which the the Bengals think that they do then you don't need to have people in there blocking all the time. What you need are people or running the football as much. What you need are people who can get open. Hence they're pushing toward wide receivers. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what they do. Um, but I, it looks to me like they might be wanting to do four wide receiver uh, type. I would agree with that. Um, they, they certainly don't look like they want to be running. Uh, two tight ends to set up Joe Mixon like they used to. I don't see Correct. that. Correct. There's no need for that. You've got Joe Burrow. Let him well, throw the ball. Yeah, you got Joe Burrow throwing the ball, and you just don't have the tight ends. So I think that that's sort of out the window. And by the way, uh, the 
offensive coordinator for the Bengals, of course, is Brian Callahan. He's the the uh, uh, son of uh, of uh, our uh, offensive line coach, and uh, so there's a little bit of um, uh, well, Zach Taylor team. also. You know, he he. I know you're not a big fan of coaching trees, but you know he comes from that whole scheme of outside zone scheme, and that's what he was when he showed up in Cincinnati. That's what he was going to bring to the situation. Um, so I think Zach Taylor is very involved in that offense. I'm not, I don't know if, if, uh, Callahan's, I mean, he may be like the Alex Van Pelt offensive coordinator of Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they probably, uh, think alike to some extent they're, they're, uh, um, they're able to function in offenses that don't have uh, good quarterbacks, but now that they have good quarterbacks, they will be running different offenses. Will that be exactly? Uh, that's yes. I, I think the outside zone offense is there to keep a team viable when they do not have elevated quarterback play. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, we might. You know, we talked about Saquon Barkley a little bit before. I, I think that's exactly what you saw with the New York Giants: is that they ran an offense that did not have a good quarterback with Daniel Jones, and it worked just fine. I like mm-hmm. to see them run that offense without Saquon Barkley and see how great uh, Daniel Jones actually is. Um, I think it would be problematic to. Uh, uh, I don't think they're going to score a lot of points without Saquon Barkley. I just don't. If well, if 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 Saquon Barkley um, decides that he's not going to be available uh, for some uh, for some reason or another. Um, well, at least that's not our problem in Cleveland, right? No, but it, <laughs> we've had offenses like that where we've oh, had, yeah. oh, had yeah. and we have not had great quarterbacks. And my point has been is that, look, you know, if you don't have a great quarterback, that doesn't mean you have to quit and go home. Uh, it just means that you have to uh, play a different style of ball. Mm-hmm. And if you have a great defense, and the Browns have not always had that great defense, but if you do have a great defense – you can, in fact, win uh, without that fantastic quarterback. And you, if you don't believe me, ask Trent Dilfer, and he will tell you that, mm-hmm. yes, you can win the Super Bowl without a fantastic quarterback. It, it is possible. It's not the best way to win, but it is possible. So, Elliot, I see we got the graphic back up. Are we done? With the uh, yeah, I think we can be done with that. All right. I wanted to, to get into what you and I were chatting at before we started this. And that's the the Bengals cap situation. Um, we were looking yeah, at this. What are the Bengals doing? Do they want to win, or what is going on with them? So, for 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 the listeners here, the Bengals cap, from what I saw at their current situation with uh, however many players they have right now, looks at like nineteen million in cap space. Okay, you cut that off. You're thinking, Elliot, you're the numbers guy. That they may have something like. 35 to 40 million in caps. Yeah. yeah, let me let me explain some some things that I've heard that are just mind-bogglingly stupid. Um, some people are saying that, oh, well, the Bengals aren't going to have any cap space this year because they got to pay Joe Burrow. No, that is totally wrong. If they sign Joe Burrow to a contract, that extension is going to take place uh, in like year six and seven, okay? That the, the Burrow is not getting to charge extra money in his year uh, uh, four, year mm-hmm. five. And, you know, he, right. he, those years are automatic. The extension kicks in really in year seven. Year, year six is a little bit bigger, but really the big money, the $50 million or 60 or however much it is, is going to be like in year seven. Okay. Right now he's in year four. Okay, that's three years in the future. Um, So that's not going to affect their cap situation immediately. They have the ability, if they want to, they could go out and sign a $40 million worth of players. Um, But I think what they're they're thinking to themselves is, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to try to win the Super Bowl this year. We're going to try to be as good as possible every year. We're not going to overinvest in 2023 and find ourselves short of money 
in uh, 2024, 2025, or 2026. Now, that is not the approach that the Browns are taking. The Browns, let's let's be real, they're saying that, well, we're going to spend uh, money now, and uh, we realize that we're piling up some major obligations for the future years, um, but we're going to take a shot at winning a Super Bowl. We want to win the Super Bowl. We're taking a shot. Uh, we'd rather take a shot to actually win the thing and have to blow the team up uh three or four years down the road. Um, right. But we don't want to just be so-so. We really want to take a shot to win it all. And that's-, that, 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 that's what the Bengals should be doing, right? You've got Burrow on a rookie contract. That, by definition, is your Super Bowl window. Well, they, they want Joe Burrow to play his entire career in Cincinnati, and so they don't ever want to have a situation where they have a bad year for him, okay? They want to be like the New England Patriots and uh, never, ever have a bad year. So they're saving their I get penny. that. I they're get that. They're saving their but penny you want... down so that they can afford to have players, you know, keep T. Higgins for as long as they can and keep all this, these guys and pay them three years from now. They are saving cap money now. So, so they can have a good team three years from now. So what, what, what you're talking about is, is they're going to take this extra cap space, roll it over to the next cap, like the Browns yes. used to do, right? Right. So that you have all this extra cap space next year okay. uh, that you've rolled over. Now, That's what you're talking about. Let me tell about. you what's wrong with that. Let me tell you what's wrong with that, okay? And here, we unfortunately, we have to mix a little bit of uh, uh, politics and world economics Mm-hmm. Uh, with sports. It's unfortunate, but it's true. The problem is, is that it really looks like there's going to be uh, inflation and a growing salary cap for the next several years. Like the NFL salary cap is not going to be constant uh, year after year, like it like it kind of was growing at like 5% a year. Year mm-hmm. after year, it was, you know, it was like money in the bank. But now it looks like it's going up by 10% per year. And that depending on how much faith you have in your Congress, it might go up by 15%, 20%. And so that a lot of this money that you think you're saving now is going to be worth much less in the future than you believe. And right, so, so, so for our non-economic major listeners... Basically, what he's saying is $19 million this year, and what its buying power is in 2023 is probably not going to be what $19 million can purchase in 2024, as in 2024 can purchase less than $19 million in 2023. That's right. And there's you know there's a certain amount of uh, winner's discount that you get. If you win in extra games, then players and their agents will want to play for your team. And that's a little bit subjective. Um, but by winning, you do more good for yourself than just by putting uh, money in the bank, so to speak. Uh, right. Salary cap. So I, you have a difference in uh, a team that's run by a bunch of Ivy League uh, accountants and computer geeks and the Browns. I don't know what the background is of the Cincinnati Bengals front office, but I know that the owner, uh, uh, Mike Brown, is uh, very old school, and he probably doesn't think that deeply about what the economy is doing or how to save, you know. That's a nice diplomatic way of putting that. Pardon? That's a nice diplomatic way of putting that for Mike Brown. I'll tell you. I just I don't know what they're thinking, and I know that you're you're trying to outline for me is our long term vision is to sustain like well, I mean the the Bengals right the Bengals long term is attempting to make a sustained winning program that never has a down year, okay, and they yeah. want Joe Burrow to be there for the rest of his career. My question to that is how long are you expecting Joe Burrow to play? Because with that offensive line, he's not going to be playing long. Yeah, you might be wanting to take some of that nineteen million and purchase yourself a nice guard, maybe a right tackle that's not a question mark that has knee injuries. I mean, you've got yourself a center. That's 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 a good that's a good buy, right? Is Orlando Brown the best buy you could have made at, at left tackle? It may have been the best buy they could have made at left tackle. You know, 
but you've got to get that offensive line together. I mean, being cheap there is going to get somebody hurt. And I get that you're saying, okay, let's not you, Elliot, but the Bengals are saying let's invest in wide receivers and a quarterback and let's just throw the ball all over the yard. That's a great concept, okay? But if you can't throw the ball as soon as you snap it, you're in trouble. Well, yeah, it's it's not it's not only that, but it's a belief in the stability of the NFL economy, and the uh, Browns believe, I think, in an exploding NFL economy that mm-hmm. uh, calls for bold investment and rewards uh, rewards greed, basically. Right, right. So that economy is going to blow, or the economy is going to be. You know, it's going to be bullish, meaning it's going to go up. Yes, um, because you have revenue dollars from Amazon and Thursday Night Football, from the new sports deal, the new TV deals. You've got these. Got else. the gambling. Yeah, I was going to say the gambling. So the revenue is going up, and so what the Browns are doing are saying, "Okay, we got the money. Let's spend it." Yeah, right? because money it's not going to be going to be available. Right, and we've got we the money to right. invest the available money now. Don't save uh, a bunch of money in, uh, uh, you know, the rollover salary cap. Spend mm-hmm. it, invest it in players, be good, get the W's. That's the best investment. Right. So yeah. they're spending their monies to get W's. What are the Bengals spending their money on? Because they're not spending their money. They're they saving, have holes. They're, they're saving salary cap. Is what I don't know doing. what they're saving it for. Well, they believe, like they're going out they and buying believe, players at this point. They believe that that salary cap will be what they use to retain their wide receivers and their quarterback. And um, they, I, they, I, that's what they think. No, see, this is where they're wrong. And this is, this is where I think you and I might disagree, Elliot, and that's fine. But we never know. We may agree. You can structure your salary cap to kick the can down the road. Now, that's not a forever permanent solution. But you can kick the can down the road on bonuses. Sign somebody to voidable years so that the only year you have to worry about, and you're making this case beautifully, Elliot, the only year you have to worry about is the current year that you're in. Then the next year, you deal with that cap, and you make that cap work. The Saints have been doing this for almost a decade, and they've always made it work, right? They were $30 mm-hmm. million over the cap, and then all of a sudden, they're trading for $20 million a year quarterbacks. I'm it's because the cap can be messed with on a year to year basis. You don't pay for the cap by rolling money over. You pay for the cap by signing people to longer contracts and distributing their bonuses. That's how you pay for the cap. Well, the situation has evolved um, as the NFL has changed the rules, but also as the national economy has changed, the Mm -hmm. rules are changing. uh, And, you know, the, the thing is, is under the old rules, the uh, Saints were about to get cooked, and they were able to get the NFL to relax some of the rules for them. Understand that, that had mm-hmm. they not made some of the voidable year uh, rulings, the Saints would have died. But they did get it uh, t- to relax, and then also the national inflation rate has, in fact, changed. It's different now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these Ivy League guys believe that the inflation rate is going to stay high and that it behooves the NFL uh, front offices to make these investments. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily the, the, um, well, uh, let me, let me, let me compliment on that. So kind of what you're saying is you design your quarterback to a $50 million year this year, and then you've got $50 million the next year. But that fifty million dollars the next year is worth less money it's than the easier and easier was. to afford. So your quarterbacks become than it was five years ago. Right. What we're so saying now is not the same math that it was five years ago. Right. It so as the contract ages, the quarterback hit on the salary cap, although <laughs> technically the same, it's percentage wise is less year after year after year mm-hmm. because the money value, the money itself is increasing. Okay, and the value of that money is decreasing. Yes, that that is real. The, the players are losing out when they sign a five-year deal. Absolutely. And uh, so you'll see that 
they'll be more favorably disposed to signing a three-year deal in the future. And yeah, they're going to go all Kirk Cousins on people, man. They're going to they're going to do the Kirk Cousins things, sign three-year deals, fully guaranteed. I think he's signed three fully guaranteed contracts in his career. Short deals, fully guaranteed. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a you know, we're talking business now, but there's also a strategy where uh, insurance companies need to get involved in this thing, mm-hmm. saying that, uh, you know, my my client wants to have a three-year deal where he could get a five-year deal, so why don't you give us an insurance policy so that he can cover himself in case he gets injured? And uh, that makes a lot of sense. So I think that that's probably what they'll do. They'll sign three-year deals, get an insurance company to cover the year four and five to some extent, and... Uh, um, you know, everybody will, um, you know, will make more money overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a it's a changing economy. It's the economy is not the same as it was five years ago. So things that you thought were true, that Mike Brown maybe still thinks are true, are no longer true. And right. now it is easier to to finance the future than it was five years ago well elliot we're up on it man we're we're looking at almost 50 minutes at this point so have we imparted enough wisdom so anyway the browns are much closer to the Bengals than you might think we still like i still like the Bengals to finish first in the division but i see the talent level as being much closer than it was last year and uh Mm -hmm. And by the way, we also should mention this. Let me leave you with this, is that I think that the Browns fan base tends to be very pessimistic about the Browns uh, just in general. But if you look at what the betting lines are, you know, the average NFL team, you know, your team has a one in 32 chance of winning the Super Bowl because there are 32 teams, right? Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yep. One in 32. And, um, Right now, the Browns are a one in 35 shot to win the Super Bowl. So it's about average. Mm-hmm. So I actually think that we're probably a little bit better than the odds makers uh, are setting the um, bar at because I think we're getting probably, uh, uh, we're probably underrated by the public as a whole. Yeah. But I think, I think yeah. we're, probably closer to narrowing the gap between us and the Bengals than people think. Yeah. I, I would happen to agree with that. All right. I, I, my last parting wisdom here is just go Browns. Okay. Go Browns. Thank you for listening to football philosophy and rocket science, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Please like subscribe and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow Joel on Twitter at The Left Guard and Elliot at The Village Elliot.